Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Who else comes? Everyone who is, underline this, distressed, Everyone who is in debt and everyone who is discontented gathered to him. David's probably thinking, oh, great. So he became captain over them, and there were about 400 men with him. Then David went from there to Mitzvah of Moab, underline that, and he said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. And so he brought them before the king of Moab. And they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold, depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and he went into the forest of Hareth. Now stop right there. Listen, everyone who was distressed, in debt and discontent gathered to David and became, and he became captain over them, about 400 men. These men were the most unlikely to become mighty men of God. But these are the kind of people that God is looking for. God is looking for those who are distressed, in debt, and discontent. Get get the scene. Get the scene. David is in the cave, and his family walks in. It's probably good to see him. Then 400 stressed out, discontent, and in debt men come walking in behind them. David probably looked up at God and said, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding. My army is made up of distressed, in debt, and discontent losers. These are the people that God is looking for. God, listen to me. God is looking for losers. Write that down. God is looking for losers. Are there any losers in the room? Some of y'all are like, me? I, I, I don't know. That's what the Bible says. God's looking for those who are distressed in debt and discontent. God's looking for people who don't think more of themselves than they ought to think. I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, for you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, and not many mighty, and not many noble are called, but God has chosen what, saints? The foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen, come on, read it with me. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? that no flesh should glory in his presence. God is looking for distressed folk, discontent folk, and in debt folk. Now, this is a picture of the church. In some way, listen, everyone in this room 
is in debt, distressed, and discontent. Everyone, in debt. <laughs> I'm trying to get to my next point, but I got stuck right there. I actually just had to get a new air conditioner. That's kind of stuck me right there. In debt, maybe not to bills, but we're all in debt to the Lord. We're all in debt to the Lord. We all owe our lives to the Lord. So we're all in debt there. Every one of us are distressed. That means we're under pressure. We're all under the pressure of this world. Every one of us is discontent. That means bitterness of soul. We're all distressed. We're all in debt and we're all discontent. And we, like these men, gather around a greater than David, Jesus Christ, who transforms our lives and makes us into a crack army of spiritual soldiers for Christ. Alan Redpath said this, do you see the truth of which this Old Testament story is a graphic picture? Just as in David's day, there is a king in exile who's gathering around him a company of people who are distressed and in debt and discontent. He's training and preparing them for the day when he shall come to reign. These are the men that God chooses for David's army. In debt, distress, discontent, these men become the seedbed, the beginning of a great army for Israel. Note, last thing, and then we move on. These men came to David when he was down and out. I like that. Because everybody in this room knows you can find a friend, plenty of friends, when you are up and doing well. Everybody want to hang around a winner. Am I right about it? Huh? Y'all need to get with me. Am I right about it? Everybody wants to hang around a winner, but nobody wants to be around somebody who is in a cave, hiding from somebody else, down and out on their luck, lost everything, got no money, no wife, no job, no palace. You don't have a palace? <laughs> no palace? You don't have anything. People are reluctant to go hang around those kind of people. These men came and, and, and gathered around David when he was down and out, when he was at his lowest in a cave, not a throne. And just as much as God called David, listen, God called these 400 men. When God, listen to me, when God is calling a man, God is always calling others to gather around him. Always. Always. I'm, not sometime. Always. I can honestly tell that's one measure. That's one way of knowing whether um, God is really calling you or not. Or has God really called you to pastor a church? You know, we were talking about that on Sunday a lot. Uh, To pastor a church or not. Has God sent people, men in particular, yeah, I'm saying men, okay, ladies? Yeah, men. God knows we need you. Don't, don't get lost. Just stay right here, okay? We need you. There's a place, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about men that God uses for his kingdom and for in purposes of the church. And he uses women too, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. God calls men around you. I remember before coming here, 
Actually, I'm like a journaler. For those of you that know me, you know I'm, I'm like a journaler. I, I keep a journal, and um, probably one of the few guys you'll ever meet to keep a journal, but I keep a journal. And uh, I did actually way back in 95 when God was speaking, and I was, I, I thought either, look, this is either bad pizza or God is speaking. So, so I, I honestly got a journal. I'm like, I got to write this stuff down. This is too good. And I got to remember this. And I remember writing in my journal, God, if you're calling me, then you're calling men. Right? I, if God, if you're calling me, then you are calling men. I don't know where they're coming from. I've come to learn. They've come from all four corners of the United States. I've come to learn that. But I knew that God wasn't just calling me to North Carolina. We're coming on 20 years. I was telling somebody, I think yesterday or today, I'm confused now, but yesterday, that we're 20 years, 20 years. Nobody could have told me I would be standing here preaching for 20 years. Nobody could have told me that. Okay, I'm already shocked and blown away that God even bothered to call. You heard me, bothered to call. I'm shocked. What? Who? 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 Me? Huh? But now we're 20 years later, and I'm still standing here preaching? And let me tell you something. Oh, wait, while you clap your hands. And I'm going to tell you something. It ain't always been easy. And if some folk had it their way, I would be in a cave in a doolum. <laughs> I'd be in a cave of refuge. I wouldn't be here. But if God opens the door, no man can shut it. <laughs> Y'all don't hear me. I'm trying to teach you something, but listen. If God opens the door, no man can shut it. And if God closes the door, no man can open it. Go and clap your hands. That's amazing. Every time you say, God opened the door, no man can shut it. Yes! God shut the door, no man can open it. Every time. Every time. Ask any pastor to tell you. Any pastor. God called David. God called these 400 men. And when God's doing the work, he will call men. Look at verse 3. David leaves the cave with the 400 men, and he went to Mitzvah of Moab. Mitzvah means tower or fortress. Question, why did David go to Moab? Well, keep in mind, his mom and his dad came to visit while he was in a cave. I believe David went to Moab because, watch this, his great-grandmother, Ruth, was a Moabitess. And she lived in Moab, Ruth chapter 4, right about verse 18. And she lived in Moab. And that was a safe place for, for his parents. I really like that little scene there because the Bible says to honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the earth. The Bible says honor your father and mother. And this is a commandment with a promise. So David's doing what the word says. David's taking care of his parents. Keep it in mind, there's no social security in those days. There's no SSI. There's no social security in these days. There's no SSI. There's no medical uh, Medicaid or, or retirement or 401k. It was the responsibility of the children to care for the parents. And David knows that if Saul finds them, he's probably going to kill him. 
So he hides in Moab under the direct care of the king of Moab until David can figure out what's happening and what God is going to do while he faces the battle. In verse 4 and 5, David leaves mom and dad in Moab. And then there's a prophet whose name is Gad, who just steps out the scene. Notice this guy just steps out of the scene out of nowhere, on the scene out of nowhere. Gad tells David, David, get out of this stronghold. The stronghold he's referring to, write it in your margin, is Adullam. Is Adullam where he's located. Get out of Adullam. Get out of the stronghold and go back to the land of Judah. So David left Adullam and he went to Hareth. Hareth means, stay with me here, you're going to love this. Hareth means to cut, to engrave. Now remember, I told you before God uses a vessel, he prepares a vessel. So God used David And God used this cave to engrave or to cut some life lessons in David's life and heart. Understanding something here. David left the cave, but he didn't leave the problems. He left the cave. We all find ourselves in caves of some sort, don't we? Whether it's a cave of despair, a cave of divorce, a cave of discouragement, a cave of loneliness, a cave of sickness. But there comes a time when you got to leave the cave, leave the stronghold, and get back to praise. Why do I say that? Because Judah means praise. In other words, you got to decide to get out of the cave and get back to the place of praising God and doing what God called you to do. Get back to worship. And might, might even, I add, get back to the place of being able to thank God for the cave. Now, that's when you're growing up as a Christian. Y'all ain't hear me. That's when you're growing up as a Christian. When you can thank God for the cave. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything. Do what, saints? Y'all know. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now, let me tell you something. If you marinate in the cave, if you marinate in the mess, If you marinate in the ministry, that's only going to make you bitter and discouraged and depressed. Gad is giving David some good advice. Get out of the cave. Get out of Adullam. Get back to Judah. You still don't have a wife. You still don't have a job. You still don't have friends. You still don't have a place in the palace. You still don't have a, you still, you still have javelins coming at you. You still got haters because haters go, hate. Amen. But that's when you say Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Well, the plot thickens. Look at verse 6. The plot thickens. Look at verse 6. You look at verse 6? Say I'm looking at him. When Saul heard that David and the men who were with him had been discovered, now Saul was staying in Gibeah under the tamarisk tree in Ramah with his spear in his hand. And all his servants standing about him. Then Saul said to his servants who stood about him, Here now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? All of you have conspired against me. And there is no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. That's David. And there's not one of you who is sorry for me. Wah, wah, wah. Or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie and wait as it is to this day. And then answered Doag. Ah, We met him before, haven't we? 
the Edomite, not Israelite, Edomite. Tell you more in a second. Who was set over the servants of Saul. And he said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him and gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. And so the king sent to call Ahimelech, the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all the fathers at all his father's house, the priests who were in Nob, they all came to the king. And Saul said, here now, son of Ahitub, he answered, here I am, Lord, my Lord. And then Saul said to him, why have you conspired against me? you and the son of Jesse, and that you have given him bread and a sword and have inquired of God for him that he should rise up against me to lie in wait as it is to this day. So Ahimelech answered the king and said, and whom among all your servants is as faithful as David? Who is the king's son-in-law who goes at your bidding and is honorable in your house? Did I then begin to inquire of God for him? Far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servants or to any in the house of my father for your servant knew nothing of this little or much. And the king said, you shall surely die. Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. And then the king said to the guards or his footmen or security, he said, turn and kill the priest of the Lord. Because their hand also was with David and because they knew when he fled and did not tell it to me. But the servants of the king would not lift their hands to strike the priest of the Lord. And the king said to who saints, Doag, you turn and kill the priest. So Doag the Edomite turned and he struck the priest and he killed on that day 85 men. Actually, you got to add in Ahimelech. That's 86 who wore the linen ephod, also Nob, the city of the priest. He struck with the edge of the sword, both men, women, children, nursing, infants, oxen, donkeys, and sheep with the edge of the sword. Saints, let's just stop right there. Let, let me pull together here. Saul is sitting under, under a tree in Ramah with a spear in his hand. That's interesting to me because most kings are sitting with a scepter. Saul is sitting with a spear. Saul always has a spear in his hand. It's almost like Saul's always in a bad mood. Saul's servants are standing around. Saul gives this political speech. Did y'all get that? It feels like a political speech. Saul said, will the son of Jesse, that's David's father, give you fields and vineyards and make you captains of hundreds and thousands? Saul is saying, listen, you're from my tribe and I take care of you. Do you think if this guy who is a Democrat, Republican, put in what you want, do you think he's going to give you fields and lands and flocks and take care of you? It sounds really political, doesn't it? Saul said, all of you have conspired against me. Nobody told me my son made a covenant with David and nobody's sorry for me. In his fleshly self-focused world, everything revolved around Saul and he's paranoid and whiny. Verse nine, then Doag the Edomite, Saul's servant said, I saw, y'all need to stay with me here. I saw the son of Jesse go into Nob to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub. Now, last time we met Doeg, if you were with us the last time we were in 1 Samuel 21, he was at the tabernacle at the same time David was there. 
And note what he says here in the text. Y'all follow me? Note what he says here in the text. He said, I saw David going to Nob. That's a lie. He didn't see David going to Nob. That's where he saw David. He didn't see him going there. Verse 10, Doeg said, Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for David. That's a lie. He gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath. Well, that's true. Listen, you could tell true facts the wrong way. You can give somebody the facts and at the same time be lying. That's why in the court system, and some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not going to ask you to stand. But that's why in the court system they say, do you swear to tell the truth? What? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Not do you swear to tell the truth, but the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Why? Because you can tell facts and kind of wrap them in a lie or tell a lie, wrap them in facts. So you tell the truth, the whole truth, or nothing but the truth. Doag is being deceptive. In verse 11, Saul called to him, elect the priest and his family and all the priests who were in Nob. Nob is the city of the priest. Saul said, listen, son of a high tub means, a high tub means good brother. Notice Saul couldn't address the high priest by name. I find it interesting. He couldn't address him by name. Why? I really don't know. But I do know this. Ahimelech means brother of the king. He could address Ahimelech by name then. Because Ahimelech means brother of the king. It could very well be possible that he is so convicted he can't say his name. You're so convicted, you know your heart's wrong. You know what you're doing is wrong. You're running David down for what? What did he do to you? What, he didn't show up to dinner two chapters ago? What did he do to you? You know, you know you're wrong. And there's a conviction there. Look at verse 13. Saul's standing before the priests of God, and instead of asking for forgiveness, he's holding an illegal trial, and he presents four charges. Number one, Ahimelech gave David bread. Number two, Ahimelech gave him a weapon. Number three, Ahimelech inquired of God for him. And fourthly, there was a conspiracy to kill the king. Well, look at verse 14. Ahimelech said to Saul, who among your servants has, has been faithful as David, your son-in-law, who does whatever you ask. In other words, why would I suspect David of anything? Everything I heard about David is good. He's your son-in-law. He goes and does whatever you ask. And by the way, verse 15, I didn't inquire of the Lord for him. Far be it from me. King, I'm asking you not to do anything to me or my family. I didn't know anything about what was going on. I didn't even know that there was a problem. In verse 16, the king said, you shall surely die, all of you and your, you and your family. Why? Verse 17, he said to his security, kill the priest because he believed the priests were with David. And, and did you notice, to their credit, Saul's servants feared God more than Saul. They didn't lift their hand to kill the priest. They refused to murder the priest. Proverbs 17, interesting verse. Proverbs 17, 15. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. In other words, if you take part in somebody else's sin, 
you are just as much a sinner as they are. If you take part in someone else's lie, you're just a big liar as they are. Huh? If you take part in someone else's crime, that's why you got arrested. Because you were a part of it. Proverbs says just that. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Listen, saints, Saul isn't angry with David. Saul is angry with the Lord. I think of 1 Samuel chapter 15, Samuel said to, to Saul, Saul, because you have rejected God's word, God has rejected you. God has taken your kingdom and given it to someone better than you. And Saul couldn't come at the Lord. He couldn't come at Samuel. So he came for the priest. And he comes for God's people. Are you with me? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.